What's up, everybody? Today on the Locked On Vikings podcast, we're continuing to profile possible head coaching candidates. We got D'Amico Ryans. We're going to deep dive here on the show. Can't wait. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And today on the show, it's 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 D'Amico Ryan's day. Uh, yesterday, the Kwesi Adolfamensa signing was made official. Vikings announced it, put out all their PR stuff. That's all great stuff. Um, and so now we can kind of move forward and start to think about what sort of team Kwesi's going to build and interview requests are going to come in, um, but they have already interviewed some. One of them is D'Amico Ryans. Now with Kwesi, I, I kind of mentioned this yesterday, the two names that I've seen suggested the most, I haven't seen a lot that's like verifiable about like these are front runners for the job. It's just a lot of people kind of saying, hey, this is a connection and that kind of makes sense. Those two names are Raheem Morris, who we talked about in depth last week, and D'Amico Ryans. And they both have Kyle Shanahan ties and so does Adofa Mensa, who was in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan for a while. So people are kind of putting this forth and saying, look, this is a connection. Maybe that'll be the guy, right? Sure, maybe, who knows, right? But let's talk about D'Amico Ryans. Before we get into that, um, real quick note that there is probably going to be another front office hire. Um, the Vikings are short a body in the front office right now, and they have been since George Payton left to Denver. They were short a body last year in the front office. They just divided in the front office. They just divided Payton's duties between like Jamal Stevenson and Brzezinski and Spielman. Um, so all of those people kind of took on just a little extra work. So they're short a body from what their like usual setup is. And that probably means, and and there has been reporting to this effect, that they are going to hire an assistant GM, which is what Peyton's title used to be, to be the assistant to, um, or not assistant to, but the assistant GM uh, alongside the right-hand man, or woman maybe, so to speak, with uh, Quesito Pimenta. Catherine Raish's name has been brought up in that uh, conversation. I don't know. I haven't really been able to find anybody like verifiably saying sources tell me she is a candidate for this. It's a lot of people again, just kind of saying, Hey, that's an idea. They seemed to like her a little bit. And somebody edited the Wikipedia page and a lot of places ran with that. Whoever it is, um, it'll be interesting. And we'll maybe go back to some of the GM research we did before Quasi was hired to see if we can't get a sense for that. So that's really interesting. But right now I want to talk about D'Amico Ryans. And first, let me just give you the quick lowdown on how he got into coaching. So D'Amico Ryans was a player, longtime Houston Texans player, played a little bit with the Eagles as well. Um, and on the Texans, I want to take you specifically to the lockout year in 2011. You remember the players were on strike and uh, they didn't do like any of the offseason activities that year. So, and this is by his own telling, it was kind of on the players to go get ready in in an unofficial capacity. They kind of had to do as much training camp as they were able to do um, as organized as they were able to be without actual official activities because they were kind of on strike, but they still had to like practice and be in shape because they were still intending to play that season. So a lot of Houston Texans players kind of got together and did a training camp on their own with no coaches. And D'Amico Ryans, one of the leaders at the time, 
kind of got to helping players and developing them and kind of saying, this is what you should do. And, and why don't we drill this and stuff like that? And he says, that's where he got the spark when he was sort of pseudo coaching during the lockout on, you know, unofficial fields and unofficial practices. He kind of got the spark and he was like, wait, I think I actually really like this. So his career ended, I think, around like 2014, maybe 2015 um, with a couple of knee injuries. He went into media for a year and then he was like, I don't like this. And then he called up Kyle Shanahan. Now, Kyle Shanahan was I believe he was on those Texans teams with Gary Kubiak. And D'Amico Ryans also talks about Gary Kubiak's influence on his coaching style and how he wants his style to be like Gary Kubiak's. That's probably going to sound really good to people in the Vikings organization who worked with Gary Kubiak and for all intents and purposes had a great relationship with him until he decided to retire. Um, you know, it seemed like that was always a really amicable thing. People really liked Gary Kubiak in the building and really miss him. And I think a big part of that was that Gary Kubiak was always a big players coach in his day. Um, he was very much like he would connect with his players very well. And the way that that D'Amico Ryans puts it, he treated the players like adults. And, and you know, he said he treated us like men. So we played like men is the way that he put it. Um, and, and that is what he really liked about it. It was a very respectful way of going about things. And I think that happened in Minnesota, too. I'm sure you could ask a lot of players that play, that played under him here and you'd get similar answers. And so D'Amico Ryans really liked that and said, OK, someday I'm going to be a coach. And he really wanted to be a coach. Um, and I'm going to be a coach like that it kind of shaped his style. So he gets into his first job under Kyle Shanahan, uh, who's part of that whole crew working under Robert Sala. I think he worked under Dan Quinn for a while. So his first coaching job is as defensive quality control coach for Kyle Shanahan, who was in Houston at that time. And even though D'Amico Ryans was a defensive player, still got to know Kyle Shanahan and stuff. Um, and they got a relationship. And so when it was time to coaching, there was a job there for him and how that stuff all went. And so he started to work his way up the ranks there. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Before I get into all of that, though, real quick, I want to talk to you about my favorite new app. It is Get Upside. I have loved having this thing on my phone. I've saved a whole bunch of money on gas. And that's what it does. It saves you money at the pump. And who doesn't want that? With GetUpside, it's super easy. All you have to do is download the app for free at the Google Play or App Store, enter promo code TOUCHDOWN to get these benefits, and you can save 25 cents off per gallon on your first fill up at the pump and up to 25 cents a gallon off at the rest of them as well. Just go to whatever gas stations, the GetUpside app will tell you which ones are participating, fill up there, take a picture of your receipt, upload it to the app, and the money just shows up in your account a day or so later after it processes. And then you can just deposit it however you want. You can do direct deposit into your bank. You can do like an Amazon gift card if you'd rather do that. Whatever you want, however you want, no catches, that's it. Promo code touchdown at the GetUpside app at the app store. You can just save money at the pump. Who doesn't want that? Go get on it. Do it now. Do it. Oh my God, now go do it now. Oh my God, go, go now, do it now, go. Once again, thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Hey, check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, especially during Super Bowl week. They're going to be on the ground at the Super Bowl. Super exciting stuff. So go check those guys out. Get your daily dose of uh, NFL news as well as just Vikings stuff. But let's pick it up with D'Amico Ryans. We left off. He had just taken a job with uh, San Francisco as defensive quality control coach. One year of that, he becomes inside linebackers coach. He is uh, that, I think, for four years until he takes just this last year defensive coordinator job after Robert Sala leaves to uh, coach the New York Jets. So as an inside linebackers coach, I think his big claim to fame would be Fred Werner. Um, he basically 
you would credit him with being the position coach that developed Fred Warner into the superstar that he is now. Got big old extension, that whole deal. And I think as a position coach, he really impressed Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has all sorts of things to say about D'Amico Ryans and how cool D'Amico Ryans is and how he's going to make a great head coach. And like he will wax poetic if you ask him. And part of that is the way that he also connects with players. He's a little younger. He can really connect with them. He can really work with them. And I think that's where D'Amico Ryans gets his kicks. He's saying, give me a player and let me figure out how he can become his best self. And look, if you talk to coaches and, you know, I, I can't exactly go talk to NFL coaches, but if you ask like high school coaches or people who coach like more as a side thing or people who coach for the love of it, what they love about it is that kind of like, you know, give me a 16 year old kid with potential and let me, you know, help him realize that potential. And that's kind of the, the, beautiful thing about coaching that really gets people to just fall in love with it. And there's something beautiful to that. So he grew up under Robert Sala as his defensive coordinator and Sala grew up um, in the Seattle system under Dan Quinn. So that's kind of the tree here. So this is a Pete Carroll tree higher. Um, this is that that cover three, that really aggressive cover three. It has morphed a lot over the years. It's not the same spot drop zone stuff that we saw from Seattle Weirdly, not that long ago, but we saw like everywhere else that kind of sort of took the league by storm um, until, uh, you know, wide zones started to really attack it and stuff. And then now we're kind of what we're seeing everywhere is the save in the match and stuff and cover three in this Pete Carroll system and its brethren and its family of systems has morphed into this weird amalgamation of some concepts from that old system and some concepts from new systems and some matching with it. And it's kind of zone match, but sometimes it's just man match. And sometimes it's just running like Rip Liz, Nick Saban stuff. If you know what that means, um, it's this weird monster that has sort of evolved differently everywhere else. Um, but you can think of this as a Robert Sala type hire. Um, this would be like taking Salah. And honestly, it's very similar. You know, Robert Salah very much heralded as a player's coach, somebody who was going to turn around the culture for the New York Jets and all that stuff. Um, and, and the same scheme, more or less. D'Amico Ryans also talks about, and, and he follows through on this, when he deploys aggression, it's very selective. It's funny. It, it reminds me a lot of the way that I, uh, that I broke down Ryan Poles, where Ryan Poles would be very aggressive in very selected spots. He wouldn't just live in a world of aggression. He would say, okay, it's time to go trade up for Patrick Mahomes. Okay, now we'd be aggressive. Okay, we need an O-line. We're going to be aggressive about the O-line. But with every other position, we're still going to like kind of slowly plod through the draft and kind of build this really patient roster. And that was kind of his approach. And, and D'Amico Ryan seems to have a very similarly uh, selective aggression, uh, selectively aggressive approach where we're going to, we're not going to blitz all the time. It's not going to be like how Todd Bowles lives. Um, but it's going to be, you know, we're going to send a pressure on obvious passing downs and we're going to send a pressure when we know we can't get smoked by a quick pass, you know, a quick out flat when the hot route isn't necessarily there. We're going to deploy our blitzes at a smart time. And I think that's good. And it's also just good. I mean, we, this is not an experienced candidate, so it's good to see some evidence that he can think in the broader context of the game instead of just thinking, okay, you know, when we see, uh, nub tight end this is how we're going to attack it when we see this protection this is how we're going to attack it when we see you know two by two this is the coverage we're going to call like that is a, not really as big a part of head coaching as it is of, of of you know coordinating and being an assistant coach um deals with that the minutia a little bit more and the head coach needs to think bigger picture nice to see him applying ideas in a bigger picture sense 
I would be really interested to go deeper into the cover three thing. Um, basically, the the reason it's still, I, I believe, I, Sports Info, Info Solutions probably has this. I believe cover three is still the most often called coverage shell in the league. And let me catch you up a little bit here. Uh, cover three, three deep defenders, right? It was the big Pete Carroll Legion of Boom is kind of the peak of of its fame. So I call it the Pete Carroll cover three. It was everywhere by a couple of years after that. Everybody ran it. Zimmer ran it. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys ran it. Belichick ran it. Everybody ran it. And some places like in New England, Belichick didn't run it exactly the way Pete Carroll ran it. He ran his own Sabanese kind of version of it. Um, but it, everybody was running primarily cover three. And the reason you do that is basically because you only need one safety to do it. And that frees up the other safety to get into the box and help stop the run. For defensive coaches, the holy grail is stopping the pass and the run at the same time without having to devote one or more one resource to, you know, one or the other. Um, Essentially, if you leave two high safeties, you're going to have a way easier time defending the pass, but you've taken a player out of the box, it's going to be harder to stop the run. And some coaches will choose to live like that and say, okay, then we'll work to stop the run. We'll find a way to get that gap back. We'll, you know, do a weird run fit thing. We'll use a lever defender. We'll scrape exchange. We'll stunt the front is one way that people do it. Those are all really football terms of, of ways to adjust your run fit so you can kind of cheat and get a gap back is the way that it says. But essentially, if you're one man down to make one guy cover two gaps and sort of scheme your way out of that problem so that way you can focus resources on the pass and some coaches choose the other way they say we're going to focus resources on the run and we're going to focus our scheme after that on defending the pass and that's what cover three was where it was a lot of zone and kind of dropping back quarterback's eyes go try to pick it off this was Richard Sherman's claim to fame right or just drop back and light the guy up like Cam Chancellor would back in those Seattle days um, and now that has evolved to adopt some of the match concepts and more man-to-man techniques and stuff that have come from other things. I could go on forever about this and totally lose you in the weeds. Um, but suffice it to say, watch schematically, I'm not saying uh, talent-wise, but schematically watch the things the Jets have done this year, which they did sneak some weird wins, and I think a lot of that was Salah's defense. Um, watch, of course, the 49ers' defense And I think what Dan Quinn did a little bit in Dallas, it's definitely not the same. And he changed a lot because of the personnel that he had. But it is the same family of people. And you can always just watch old Seahawks tape if you want to kind of get the idea of what the grandfather of that scheme is. So that's D'Amico Ryans as a coach. I have opinions on this and I want to share them with you. Um, But first, if you have opinions on, let's say, what's going to happen this Sunday and then a couple Sundays from now, you can always gramble on it at betonline.ag. It's your one-stop shop for all things grambling, football, basketball, hockey, tennis, golf, MMA, even your favorite Vegas casino games. You can play whatever at BetOnline. I personally love their live betting machine and their player prop builder. Those are uh, nice and new and redesigned as of the new year. So really exciting stuff there. And I I love playing on that thing um, and just kind of figuring out it's the second quarter. They're down by 10. Are they going to make a comeback or are they going to make a comeback, but are they going to fall further behind first? Maybe I should wait to get the better odds. And I love the math problem of that. And I have all kinds of fun or just trying to kind of take it, you know, parlaying stupid things like will Jack Doyle score a touchdown, that kind of dumb stuff. I love it. So head on over to Bet Online, have a little bit of fun. Uh, you can also enter promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N. Get a fifty percent welcome bonus. That's fifty percent of your first deposit matched 
at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, so hopefully I've given you a rough idea of what you're getting with D'Amico Ryans. Um, You're getting very much a player's coach, somebody who's very focused on development. Um, He's been a position coach for most of his coaching career, so that kind of makes sense. Schematically, what scheme the Vikings would run would be uh, Robert Sala, Dan Quinn, Pete Carroll, that tree. Um, Gus Bradley is another one that that tree of scheme is what you would run, although it's very much an updated version that those schemes have not worked out because I think some of those coaches let it get a little outdated um, and you had to kind of evolve. Dan Quinn evolved in Dallas. I think that's why he's getting head coaching interviews now. Um, but D'Amico Ryans is running kind of a new age, new era version of that, which is probably closer or you know, one of these is going to be the future of cover three, whichever one does better. Everybody's going to copy and that'll be the, the future of cover three, the next evolution on top of Pete Carroll's stuff. So that's what we're getting right. Um, so schematically, I don't really have any reason to doubt D'Amico Ryan's. He here's something that I really, really loved watching the Packers game. I think he stole pressure packages from Aaron Rodgers and in his typical fashion, he was very selective with when he deployed them. Um, somebody called that out on uh, talking about, I think, on on yesterday's show about like how D'Amico Ryans doesn't blitz a lot. It, it's not about blitz percentage. It's about what blitzes he used. They looked very similar to Mike Zimmer's blitzes, where you had a ton of people on the line of scrimmage and some people and, and it was fire zone, which means, you know, it's the, the blitz where you don't know who's blitzing or not um, that sort of style and i think some of them were actually like the architecture of them was very similar maybe even the same as some that mike zimmer used to slow down aaron Rodgers earlier this year which is great that's fair game and you'd love to see it i love a little copycat and if you're going to copycat anyone versus aaron Rodgers, it's mike zimmer who's one of the only people who's ever been able to limit him like repeatedly so that's great schematically i I mean he's not like he doesn't have this reputation as this total whiz kid like jonathan gannon does or anything like that but I, i don't need that that's fine Um, he seems like he's doing well enough and he comes from a scheme. Sure. This can all work. I have no issue there. No qualm. Um, he has the charisma to work with people. He can be that kumbaya type guy that we're like looking for. Um, and that's all great. And he's very much a player's coach. So he will, you know, develop relationships with the players and we can all trust and be happy with that. And that's something we sorely need, right? The players, I've been saying it a ton. The players have lost their trust in Vikings brass. We need to win it back with this hire. D'Amico Ryans checks that box easily. The leader of men box is what I call it. Yeah, checks the box. Great, easy. But I think about the job of head coach and how it is different than the job of position coach or the job of coordinator. And I have a little bit of an issue with D'Amico Ryans. It's not unlike my issue with Kellen Moore, which is um, which I described on last Friday's show, I believe. So go check that out if you want more on that. But it's that head coach is not a one-for-one promotion. It's not doing the same job you used to do, but more importantly, and that's why I don't really like saying, you know, hey, let's go find the best coordinator and make them the coach because head coach is a different job than coordinator. So what I want is a skill set that translates well to a head coach, and D'Amico Ryans does check some of those boxes. He's higher on my list than Kellen Moore because he checks more of those boxes, the leader of men box that I don't really know about with Kellen Moore. And he checks the box of like being able to kind of design schematically. I think he can do that. Um, but he doesn't have any management experience really, except for this one year of being a defensive coordinator. And so kind of like Jonathan Gannon or Kevin O'Connell, he's just really, really green. And that's kind of worrisome. Yeah, that'll come with fresh takes, but fresh takes are risky inherently. 
because there is a reason that things are done a certain way for 20 years. And if you're going to try to subvert that, maybe you find the next sliced bread. Maybe it crashes and burns. And which one do you think happens more often? Um, so uh, he goes in a bucket with a lot of those younger coaches for me. He's a little higher. I mean, I, I like genuinely don't want those other coaches, O'Connell, Kellen Moore, Jonathan Gannon. I don't want those guys. I could talk myself into D'Amico Ryan's a little more e easily than those guys, but mostly because of the player coach person or the player coach, the uh, the charisma, the being able to, you know, treat your players like men. We're going to play like men. That whole thing endears me a little bit. And so I can at least talk myself into that. But Head coach is a management job and management, leadership, that's delegating, that's, you know, operating, it's coming up with practice plans, it's coming up with a, an overarching overall team-wide strategy. And you do get a little bit of that as a coordinator of an offense or a defense where you have to come up with overall strategy and it's only one side of the ball, but overall strategy at least um, where you need to figure out what the position groups are going to drill and how that all works in harmony and what you're going to focus on today. Those decisions are important. And so he has one year of experience doing that. I'm a little worried about that lack of management experience as a position coach. Four years. Sure, that's plenty. And I think four years is a good position coach. You get promoted to D coordinator. Great. But I'm a little worried that he might still need to be a D coordinator for a few more years to kind of wet his beak on the management side of things, the overall big picture operation side of things. I should mention in San Francisco's current setup, or at least the 2021 setup, he had position coaches under him with like five times as much experience as him. And I think that cuts both ways. It's great because that's a weird ego dynamic and being able to successfully manage it, which I think he did, um, is a good thing. That's, that's really awesome. Um, but that's also a lot of handholding help for a young guy. And is he ready? Um, it's kind of like, you know, if Clint Kubiak had Gary holding his hand and he looked a lot smarter than when Gary Kubiak wasn't in the uh, wasn't in the, situ the the room anymore. Clint Kubiak gets a lot worse. If you think that's the dynamic, like that's the kind of thing that can happen. Um, that's that's a concern, right? Again, what doesn't D'Amico Ryan's know yet? What lessons does he need to learn the hard way? And is he going to learn those lessons the hard way on Vikings time? by losing Vikings games, by, you know, wasting moments of Justin Jefferson's contract or whatever, you know, big overarching doom clock you want to doomsday clock you want to put on it. Um, how many lessons is he going to learn that a more experienced coach would already know that waste the time of players who don't have a lot of time as much as he will connect with those players and stuff? I mean, look, last time we had like a true players coach it was Leslie Frazier and that didn't go great. And you could honestly argue that for a lot of the time, Mike Zimmer was that as well until he like totally lost it at the end. The other concern that I have, and it's the one I've kind of been talking about, but I think it's, it takes a second. I think it takes a backseat to this concern after doing more research. I'm going to sort of adjust my take on it. I've been talking a lot about conservatism and especially defensive coaches. Now we've talked a lot about what about a defensive offensive coach. And what I say is, Look, everybody comes up on one side of the ball or the other. There's very few people that work on both sides of the ball. And the scarcity of that is actually part of why I like Raheem Morris so much, because he has worked on both sides of the ball. But that's really, really rare. Some, everybody's going to come up on one side of the ball or the other. And that means they're going to have to know how to hire for the side of the ball they do not know. And th that's another thing. I don't think do we have any reason to think that D'Amico Ryans really knows about that at all. He's kind of just been working up the ranks, learning how to 
better himself, but he hasn't really been in, you know, hiring rooms like Raheem Morris has. And so the reason this brings me to the conservatism thing is because what we think of when we think about a defensive coach is we think about conservatism. We think about Mike Vrabel punting on fourth and short. Um, you know, we think about Mike Zimmer crowing about the run game. And we think about these kind of old stodgy ideas that are all very hyper conservative and all the defensive coaches are concerned. Now, that's a stereotype for defensive coaches, and we probably shouldn't fall into that trap. That's a lazy trap to fall into that, you know, you could just research the guy and determine if he is conservative or not, rather than saying he's defensive. So probably and then running with that. Um, but with D'Amico Ryans, I am a little worried that he does embody those traits independently of just being a defensive guy. I think he just does independently. There are a couple of quotes that just don't sit right with me where he talks about, and they seem like good lessons. Um, like he says, it's it's about us playing well. It's not about what they're doing. It's about us playing well. And it's a very good position coach's point. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about who you're up against. Execute your job. Do your job. Let's install it. And that's a good position coach mentality. But as a head coach, you kind of got to worry about what they're doing. You Unless you have a ton of talent, you can't be a team that just does what you do and says, be, you know, to hell with whatever their plan is. We're going to do what we do and we're going to be so good at it. We're unstoppable. Some teams can get away with that. The Browns got away with that for a little bit while. I think the Chiefs kind of get away with that because they're so utterly talented that the challenge is, yeah, you figure out a way to stop us and nobody can. And that's why they're hosting their fourth AFC championship game in, in a row. But I don't think I fully agree with that philosophy. I don't think that philosophy is right for the Vikings. I think if you're going to take that over, you need to take over a more complete roster, like maybe the one in, in Las Vegas. They have a very complete roster over there. I don't think that's right for the Vikings right now. The Vikings need to find and establish an identity. Um, and I don't think just execute play well can be that identity because I don't think we have the players to, to pay that out. But I don't know if they're going that way. And if we want to go this bold extra direction, this bold, weird, blaze a new trail, D'Amico Ryans would be a very concerningly normal hire be a very regular one and like a just a, a defensive guy that connects with players would be a very regular stabilizing coach i love this for like jacksonville who you know just needs that kind of stabilizing culture building presence or for like new york just need that presence i don't think it's right for here so i am not a huge fan of D'Amico ryan's i don't think he's my favorite I struggle to answer the question, what does he offer the Vikings that Raheem Morris doesn't? And if the 49ers kick the crap out of the Rams this weekend, it's not going to change my mind. Of course, you don't have to agree with me. That's the way it always is going to be on Lockdown Vikings. You never have to agree with the host of Lockdown Vikings. I just hope that I can help you, give you the knowledge base to make your own decision about that. You might have heard all that stuff and went, wow, all that sounds really exciting. What's this dude on about? Not liking it. Totally fair. T go forth and prosper. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that it fits what the Vikings need in a head coach right now. And uh, I, I think there are other teams that with head coaching, like he could go get a head coaching job somewhere else. And I think that would be very right for that team. But I don't think it's right for this one. So uh, tomorrow we'll go into, we'll see if there's another front office hire. We'll see if there's more head coaching interviews. We'll, we'll, we'll keep tracking this process. Having a lot of fun doing it. I don't know. Maybe, hopefully you are too. Uh, in the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. They'll help you get your grambles straight over there. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.